Hello and welcome to Great Ridge Station, a place to sit back and relax while waiting for your train to board. I'm your host, Sam Helgerson, and I'm pretty much a fixture around these parts. The goal here at the depot is to help you strengthen your own practice of leadership, no matter where you serve. Every episode will give you not only the background theory, but some practical tools that you can use right away. Great Ridge Station is a service of Great Ridge Group, LLC. Thanks for stopping in on your way through. Season 1, Episode 16. I'll be the first to admit that this series on managing yourself got, well, a little bit out of hand. This is Part 8, and if all goes well, this will be all we need to wrap up the Managing Yourself series. In a few weeks, as we close out Season 1 of Great Ridge Station, I'll be doing an episode on my philosophy as a leader and as an educator. Now, don't worry, it won't be boring. I think you'll probably find it helpful. But I have said this a few times lately. If you haven't been able to use it, you haven't really learned it. So let me hammer on this idea one more time. As you listen, take these ideas and put them into practice. This is especially important for our own self-leadership. So, in the Epistle of James, a New Testament book in the Bible, the author makes this observation, and I'm paraphrasing. If you know what you should do, and you don't do it, that's a sin. For those of you keeping score at home, that's James 4.17. Now, that's a big deal for those of us that are thinking about how to manage ourselves well. We're used to thinking in terms of the things we do getting us into trouble. Those things used to be called sins of commission. But we also need to think in terms of the things we neglect to do. Those things used to be called sins of omission. We need to think about our accountability for the things we do, yes, but also for the things that we should do, but don't. I hate to point this out, but this element of self-management is full of potential snags and pitfalls. And part of the reason for that, in fact, I think a big part of the reason for that, is that we are so incredibly self-deceptive. We're really good at tipping all of life in our own favor. We're the worst sort of spin doctors. We see ourselves in the best possible light. We rationalize our behavior. And you know what? If you don't learn to manage yourself well, you will find yourself in a ferocious mess. Actually, that's a perfect segue to the question that I want to talk about this week. What do I need to do now to finish well? This does not come from Peter Drucker. Yeah, you're probably shocked about that. This comes from my good friend Jim. He's sort of retired, but I pick on him that he's failed retirement. He always has projects that he's working on, and as a founding partner of a thriving business, even now he's in the office a few days a week, and he's retired. <laughs> but Jim has shared this idea with me, so again, I'm citing my sources. Jim made the observation, and I'm going to quote him, My prayer is that I will be able to finish well. Think about that for a moment. You don't know Jim, but I do. And here's a guy whose focus in life has been consistent to honor God, to demonstrate God's love to other people, and to do good work in everything he does. You know what? He does that. He has a reputation, and if his name is on a document, means he's done the work 
to ensure that his name means something. I've never known him to sign off on anything without knowing the technical details and its practical implications. He's earned the trust of administrative officials, project managers, and union laborers. But he still prays that he'll finish well. So what is he worried about anyway? Well, worried is the wrong word, but it's a good starting place. This might be a function of my ever-increasing geezer factor, but I'm sick of seeing people that I respect fall into disgrace. There was an, an author that I followed for years, and through a weird quirk and some mutual acquaintances, we got to be friends. We had lunch together fairly regularly, and he encouraged me in my work and in my own writing, and I really appreciated it. And then the truth came out. This fellow was living a double life in all of the ugly ways that you can imagine, and some that you can't. He lost his career, he lost his family, he lost his friends, he lost his platform as a writer. It was just a sad, sad situation. I'd like to say that was an oddity, an anomalous blip on the radar of life, but it wasn't. Time after time, I've seen people in respected positions fail and finish poorly. And unfortunately, I've gotten pretty good at recognizing them. A situation started to bubble up a few months back, and I said to my wife, no good will come of this. And I was right. I've watched business leaders, pastors, media representatives, reporters, public personalities, a whole bunch of people collapse in utter ruin. Now, I had no connection to this one whatsoever, but the situation with Bill Cosby was profoundly sad to me. I'm younger than his career, I think, and I remember his comedy albums when I was in elementary school. If you don't know what a comedy album is, ask your grandparents. Anyway, Bill Cosby's career grew, and he was held in high regard. He was an entertainer, but he was also an educator. And at some point... He started believing his own press releases, and he got in his own way. In a way, it's too bad that it took so long for reality to catch up with him. As a friend of mine once put it, the wheels turn slowly, but they do turn. At some point, there are people who decide to make that little compromise and do what they want to do. And these people generally know better. See, I have to say this. The Epistle of James has something to say about this one, too. James uh, 1, verses 14 and 15 says, But each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his or her own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. <sighs> we get in our own way. So, my friend Jim's prayer that he will be able to finish well grows out of that concern in his own heart. He's made a career's worth of good choices, and this is not the time to get sidetracked. You know your weaknesses. You know the things that are going to trip you up. I don't even have to make a list here, because you already know. You know the areas that cause trouble in your life. Well, if you don't know, you need to consult your trustees, you know, the people that you know best and who care about you anyway. They'll help you to see things more clearly than you can see them on your own. 
Now, if they see something different from what you see, don't do complex math. What they see gets added to what you see. You can't use their observations to cancel out your own self-awareness. In other words, hmm, I think I see this in me, but if they don't, maybe I don't have to think about it. Hmm, don't do that. So what are you going to do right now to get rid of that thing, that whatever it is? See, the biblical model for that is called repentance, which comes from the Greek word metanoia, which means essentially a change of mind that results in a change of behavior. I'm not going to go into that in detail here, but there will be a Between the Seasons episode called What's the Gospel and Why Does It Matter? See, the short version of all of this is if you are stubborn and refuse to change your direction, you might find your whole life collapsing around you. And sometimes your heart gets so hard that you can't change your direction. I've known a fair number of people who have found themselves in that situation. It is not good. I'm not suggesting that they are beyond the reach of God's grace, but the Bible is clear that if we insist on going our own way, eventually, God will let us. So let me give you a little bit more context. You may never have heard of a man named Lord Acton, but you know at least one of his quotes. He's the person who's credited for the observation that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. There you go. I've told you his name, I've told you his quote, and now I have to disagree with him. Too bad, because I think we'd see eye to eye on a lot of things, but not this one. Mark this. Power does not corrupt. It simply makes you what you are, only more so. Power, money, influence, good looks, talents, these are amplifiers. They don't corrupt you. If you're corrupt already, they'll simply make that corruption increasingly obvious. Jesus made the observation in Luke 16.10 that whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much, and whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. Jesus recognized the power of amplifiers in our life, and so should we. So when my friend Jim prays that he will finish well, that's not a prayer about the future. It's a prayer about the present. See, over the years, it's been about being faithful with little things and big things. Finishing well is not something that happens off in some fuzzy, faraway future. It's something that gets decided in the messiness of the here and now. Every single here and now. Think today about how you want that finish to look. Who are you going to be? What's your character going to be like? See, this is really the bottom line of this series on self-management. It's a nice idea, but are you really willing to do the hard work of managing yourself? Every one of the questions that we have dealt with in this series depends on your ability to actually know what to do and then to do it. So let me recap by giving you all the questions and growth points that we've dealt with in this series of episodes on managing yourself. In part one, how do I like to get information and what's my learning style? In part two, there were four pieces, telescope or microscope, tasky or teamy, compass or clock, innovation or stability.
In part three, we looked at who are my trustees. In part four, what do I have to offer and what do I want to be known for? Part five dealt with know your strengths and know your weaknesses. Part six, what kind of environment do I thrive in and how do I define success? Part seven was what's my view of time? Who is the boss of me? And what makes me dig in my heels or turns on my stubbornness? And we wrap up with part eight. What do I need to do right now to finish well? That's it. I reserve the right to add more to this list as I continue to grow as a leader and as a person, but I hope that these are helpful to you in your own growth. If you've enjoyed this series, please follow me on Twitter at LJ Helgerson and share this podcast with your friends and ask them to subscribe. Thanks for joining us at Great Ridge Station. As the train boards and rolls on to its next destination, we hope you found your time here helpful. Consider what you've learned and what strategies and practices you can implement right now. If you have leadership questions that you'd like us to address, we'd love to hear from you, and you can find the questions link on our show page. We can't answer everything, but we'll watch for themes and big-picture questions and get to as many as we can. All content is developed by Dr. Sam Helgerson with appropriate citations of outside sources. Our sound engineer is Brick Martin. All background and bumper media is in the public domain and retrieved from archive.org. The opening music is from Guy Lombardo, Down by the River. The closing music is from Annunzio Montavani, Skyscraper Fantasy. Limited opportunities are available for supporting sponsorships. Contact information is available on our show page. I'm already looking forward to your next visit to Great Ridge Station. Bye-bye.